Howdy, I'm Jim, and this is on the left side, the funny football show. Nine points you cannot imagine that, that, that something like this happened. But it's not important, because who wants to be first in early November? There have been some pretty big shocks this season in football. How much of a complete mess VAR actually is? Exactly how bad West Ham goalkeeper Roberto is at goalkeeping? And how well Chelsea have performed in the Premier League despite a transfer ban and an inexperienced manager like Super Frankie Lampard at the helm. It turns out that Frank is doing a bang-up job at Chelsea right now that is at the same time making Chelsea, well, a bit less hateable. Attacking football, promoting young English youngsters and a bit of form that's seeing Chelsea push for potential glory this season. But for Lampard... It's not all about the ability of him or his players. You see, Frank is very superstitious. Very superstitious. You know, like the song, very superstitious. It should kick in there with the bass, you know. We can't use it. Rights. Licensing. All right, just use any old crap then. That'll do. Lampard last week won the Manager of the Month award, a gong that traditionally, rather than a nice bottle of champagne or something, comes hand in hand with a massive losing streak. Something that wasn't going to bother Lampard too much. The Manager of the Month award, I'm just wondering if it kind of confirms to you that you're doing a good job and if you're worried that it's a curse. Um, in terms of the curse, um, I've heard it, I know of it, um, I, I, I am relatively superstitious and I w always was as a player and I've carried it into my management, um, so hopefully the players can go out and prove the curse wrong tomorrow because uh, we want to keep our momentum. The Chelsea boss went on to detail exactly how superstitious he was and how, when his team was on a winning run, he'd always do the same stuff like going to the gym, taking the dog for a walk before work and getting a coffee in the morning. Well. It's hardly filling the water bottles with holy water and buying a black cat for the training ground, isn't it? I don't think that's superstition. I think that's just doing the stuff that you need to do every day. Oh, yeah. I'm dead superstitious, me. Every morning I put my socks on before my shoes. Ooh. Lampard does have a little bit of a history with this kind of thing, though. Even back in his playing days, he had little parts of his routine that he just wouldn't shift. Uh, I'd use the same urinal in the dressing room out of the three. Which yeah. urinal was it? Uh, left. Always left? There were three and I was left. So I played left side of three in midfield. So <laughs> I, I used to queue up for that left one when they were all three. Well, I guess it's a good job he didn't play in the hole then, isn't it? You can understand that if a player does certain things and the results are going their way, well, they might want to continue to do those things and not do other things. I just imagine that the ex-Mrs. Lampard wished that not doing other things had also extended to their marriage. Frank, no, how could you? Not all footballers and managers are as superstitious though. Take Pep Guardiola, for example. He could never believe in such mumbo jumbo. I mean, he even struggles to believe in things that are firmly based in reality. After this week admitting that he doesn't believe in stats when faced with questions about Manchester City's poor form at Anfield. 
He said, and I quote, Regarding statistics, I don't believe in that kind of thing. You don't believe in statistics? I mean, it's not a matter of whether you believe in them or not. They're still there. We're not talking about the tooth fairy. Just because I say I don't believe in the HMRC, it doesn't mean I don't have to pay my tax bill at the end of the year. In fact, I think Lionel Messi used that in his tax avoidance defence. And if you don't eat all your greens, then you might find that hiding under your bed is the Spanish taxman. One thing that Pep could have certainly believed in, in fact one thing that we could have all bet our houses on this weekend, was that the big game between Liverpool and Manchester City would be marred by the use, or rather in this case, not the use, of VAR. I mean, as always, there were a fair few calls over the course of the weekend that people disagreed with when it came to VAR, but the main point of contention was a supposed handball by Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold that went unpunished. A decision that was made by the referee and checked by VAR in just 22 seconds. Which, given that the one thing that everyone's complaining about with VAR is the length of time that it takes VAR to check stuff you'd think would be a good thing, right? Moaning about it's a bit like breezing through passport control in five minutes and then complaining that the guys on border patrol aren't even trying to stop the terrorists. Yeah, mate, you're fine. Yeah, don't worry about that. Accusations of Premier League conspiracy theories and VAR system crashes were flying all over the place, but maybe, just maybe, this was an example of when the video review system was used correctly and it could finally stop being an absolute shambles. Certainly the man in charge of implementing this new technology, Neil Swarbrick, seemed pretty happy with how everything was going when he appeared on BBC Sport this week. I think we're probably pretty much where we'd expect to be. Now I 100% recognise that tone of voice. It's the same one I use when I've told my wife that I know where I'm going and no I don't need the sat nav and no I certainly don't need to ask for directions, yet inexplicably we end up stuck in the middle of a field at midnight, nowhere near the destination. Are you lost? No, we are not lost. This is exactly where I expected to be. You will be sleeping in the spare room tonight. The really interesting bit of this was when Swarbrick was asked to give VAR a score out of 10 for its success so far. As if it was a contestant on a very special Ways to Fuck Up Football edition of Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, that, 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 that give us round about seven-ish. No, 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 Neil. You've misunderstood. We want a rating out of ten rather than how many decisions out of ten you think VAR has got wrong on a weekly basis this season. And on the topic of getting everything wrong on a weekly basis, some sad news. Paul Merson has been taken off prediction duties at Sky Sports. If you have ever fancied a flutter, then you needn't have previously looked any further than the weekly tips that came from the ex-Arsenal man. And then, obviously, you do the exact opposite. While Merson and his terrible predictions have been replaced by fellow Soccer Saturday teammate Charlie Nicholas, and time will tell if he's any better at the prediction game. But one thing is certain, he is definitely a big fan of a certain word. Here's his predictions for the Anfield game this weekend gone. This is the game of games. When I look back at the games I used to look forward to, they were the Manchester United and Liverpool games played at Anfield. I love the whole scenario of these games. Charlie, stop using the word games, mate. 
Use matches or fixtures or contests or ties or even events, but try and mix it up a little bit. If you are by chance related to Charlie Nicholas, then please, for the love of God, get him a Theosaurus for Christmas. <laughs> Finally, this weekend just gone was Remembrance Weekend and football paid its respects with minute silences at football grounds up and down the country. In a minute of silent reflection. It's always a touching moment and one of the few times that such silences are observed 100% by the crowd without exception. It's a really important and significant gesture, but at the same time, it's also impossible to ignore the insistence of football clubs that their cuddly mascots join in the silences. It's a poignant moment. It's a sombre moment. And no one seems to have clocked that having a giant chicken or a massive green dinosaur or a cheeky wasp standing around the centre circle, head bowed, might distract from the seriousness of the whole thing in any way. In fact, it seems to be such a footballing blind spot that this week before Tranmere's game, someone, somewhere, thought it would be a great idea to introduce a poppy mascot into proceedings. And what I mean by that is a man dressed as a big, cuddly poppy with absolutely massive shoes being led onto the pitch by another man, hand in hand, to stop him falling over. I mean, that right there. That is the definition of dignity, right? Often in these situations, you hear the phrase, it's what he would have wanted, with regards to the person's being paid respect. But unless the soldier in question happened to die in the battle of it's a knockout, then I find it very hard to believe that that is what they would have wanted. If you've not seen the video yet, then I urge you to Google it. Only then can it be enjoyed in all its glory. But I just love the idea that somewhere in a boardroom, this would have been discussed at length, which no doubt contained the words dignified, subtle, and ended with the now immortal line, yeah, of course, it will certainly be very tasteful. It is completely right that we pause, reflect, and remember the sacrifices of service men and women but we also have to remember that some football clubs haven't got a fucking clue. Right, that's it for another episode of On The Left Side. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you've not done so already, and I say this every week, I'm like a broken record, and if everyone does this, I will shut up about it. Click subscribe so you never miss another episode, because by clicking subscribe, it means you get a little alert when the next episode is up, every single time there's a new one and that's every single thursday so make sure you do it now also give us a follow on twitter at on the left side and you know what we've not had a review on itunes for absolutely ages so why not break that duck if you like what you hear go into itunes and give us a five star review or apple podcasts or whatever it's called now and i'll see you next time on on the left side adios on the left side is written and produced by ant mcginley and jim salverson 